in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to say hi to the camera, and then we'll get started. Hi, everyone. My name is David Sneed. I'm a missionary in Lviv, Ukraine, and this is my friend Anatoly Sapsai. We sometimes call him Tolik. How are you doing, Tolik? Thank you. It's good to hear. Uh, Tolik is a... Uh, he is a fellow minister of the gospel here in Lviv. Uh, he is a pastor, one of the pastors of a local church here that is actually like the mother church of our mother church. So, uh, Grandmother. Yes, the grandmother church, praise the Lord. Um, and uh, he's also very involved in leadership training uh, in Lviv. Uh, we actually, I think, met at a, at a leadership conference that was done by one of the uh, one of the organizations that he's a part of called Innovista, uh, which you can talk a little bit more about that, uh, Anatoly, uh, you know, wh what exactly role you have there. And then also we talked a lot more at uh, the Global Leadership Summit, which is a, just another conference here that, uh, that we've both attended together. So, uh, yeah. How can people contact you online if they want to? If the people would like to contact, they can go to our Facebook page. We're talking about Ukraine. Uh, the problem is that the name of the page is in Cyrillic, not in Latin. So mm -hmm. you have to find out Cyrillic name in Novista. Mm -hmm. It will be Facebook. The same on Instagram, the same on Telegram, mm -hmm. if you know this operator. Uh, also, if someone is interested to, to contact me directly, they can find me on Facebook, Anatoly Sapsai. I can actually give in chat proper name how to spell yes please and that'll be good and i'll put all of that in the links uh below and uh one of the things that i'm hoping for uh you know this uh podcast is to make you a little bit even more busy because uh anatoly is helping our church right now restructure our leadership and uh it has been such a blessing for our church and so i want to pass you guys on basically uh, as another resource that our viewers can uh, can have, um, because there, I think leadership is one of the key things that need, we need to work on as a church right now, in Ukraine as missionaries, etc. Because that's passing on, that's leading right now, and also passing on the vision to the next generation, etc. So it's so important. So yeah. Thank you, thank you for for this advertisement. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So, um, uh, what would be your like one phrase, one sentence definition of what is a good leader? Yeah. If it would be one sentence, it would be, this is the leader, which someone wants to follow. Mm. Very sure. Yeah. Yeah. A leader and, uh, is someone yeah. If you follow. want me to unpack a little bit, just, that character and integrity are there and passion for what he's doing, what he's leading, ministry or church. He loves what he's doing. Mm -hmm. If you have such a leader, always will be people who would like to follow him. Mm, good. Good. Yeah, that, I think that's uh, that sounds kind of like Maxwell. Uh, 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 maybe I, I cannot remember. Yeah, uh, I definitely heard this not from Maxwell, but yeah, well, Maxwell and uh, the, you know um, all the other you know big thinkers—they kind of echo each other and say it in their own way. So yeah, but that's where I heard it first. I think um, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, John Maxwell was one of the speakers at the GLS Global Leadership Summit, and. Uh, after hearing his talk, I was like, okay, I, I really want to get into this. So I, I read his book, uh, The 21 Laws of Leadership. I read it twice, I think. Mm -hmm. And I uh, just fell in love with the book. Um, I'm a systematic type of guy. You know, I love to have principles and, and steps and everything. So that really helped me to see some of the, some of the ways that I'm lacking in leadership. And uh, some things that he, he puts things into three categories uh, in the book, the things that uh you're strong in that you need to work on things that you're weak in that you need to work on and then things that you're so weak in that you need to delegate mm -hmm. as a leader so and then it's 21 different things and you kind of rate yourself on the different things and then mm -hmm. you give suggestions and stuff like that so 
But that was one of the things that he said is that uh, if people aren't following you, then you're not a leader. But if people are following you, then you already are a leader, whether you have a position or a title or not, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. yeah. It's good when someone who uh, people are following, he has an official position of the leader because very often you have someone in position, but people <laughs> rather to go for question and for instructions to someone else. This yeah. is this is not so good. Yeah, that's true. I remember a, a, a church that uh, uh, was planted recently. Um, I was talking to one of the members of the church not too long ago, and it's a very interesting church plant where the pastor is a really young guy, but around him are other former pastors, leaders, uh, even seminary professors, and they're maybe twice his age, you know, and uh, my temptation would be, if I was going to that church, would be to follow those, I, I call them almost titans of the faith, you know, because I know some of these people, um, instead of looking to the pastor to be my pastor. So, um, yeah, what, uh, if you were counseling that, that pastor in particular, what would you, uh, what advice would you give to him? Wow. Yeah. Um, of course it a lot depend on characters and wisdom of those people around this particular leader, because if they are Titans, they understand that they need to give as much support to this particular guy leader as possible i would probably encourage everyone to clarify for themselves who they are in the team and who this leader is so like clarity one of the biggest problem in leadership it's a lack of clarity in different dimensions of leadership we are practicing is it leading a team of functioning as a team like if one if we are one team then is the best thing is to clarify what is my role in this team if i'm super experienced person with i'm a titan with a, such a list or regalias of achievements but i want to help younger one to grow then i need to put myself in some yeah. it's, it's a particular situation, a particular position, and make it clear for everyone that I'm not here, the number one and number two and number three, like, but number one is this one. So let's listen to him, or mm -hmm. let's let's ask him what he thinks about this. We will give our our piece of advice, but he is the one who is leading the team. So mm -hmm. this would be my suggestion to discuss within the team but team needs to agree and to talk through these things mm -hmm. definitely that clarity is is so important i think in any relationship and, and sometimes depending on the amount of stress and tension and decisions that have to be made and all that kind of stuff especially in a leadership situation it varies on how much clarity is required i think but uh, especially if you're leading a church and there's uh, this kind of imbalance or, or something like that and experience and everything. We have a saying in English that's, uh, that is um, uh, good fences make good neighbors. And it's, there's like different versions of that. But the idea is, you know, that uh, clarity, it, you know, it leads to more productive, more friendly relationships. Yep. Um, and one example that uh, some of my friends like to use is... Uh, uh, one of the one of the reasons why people are so nice in like Texas or like Georgia or something is that because everybody has a gun, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So so everybody respects everyone and and you know oh, the boundary, right. you know. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, maybe that's a, a tangent for another time. But uh, anyway. Um, just a, a reminder to anybody that's uh, watching, um, if you like what we're doing, if you like the podcast and everything, please do like this video, subscribe, hit the notification bell, like all the other YouTubers are bugging you to do right now. Um, I know maybe it's annoying, but it really does help the channel. So, uh, but we'll keep on talking about leadership. Um, one of the things that I want to do with this particular podcast episode is give American missionaries and maybe people back home to, uh, Canadian or, or, uh, 
uh, English or anybody else in the English speaking world uh, that would want to come and uh, either plant a church or serve in Eastern and Central Europe. Um, but we're talking about the context of Ukraine, obviously, is what are some unique leadership challenges here so that we can understand better? I think for everyone who is coming here, needs to be very clear, clear about history and heritage that this country has or carry. Uh, because Soviet style of leadership was kind of not very much of ref, like reflecting biblical values. So strong leadership here or effective leadership very much considers as the authoritarian approach style, if you wish. So, and sometimes in, in churches, it's very much the case. And people sometimes consider that strong leader, it's a leader who knows how to hit the table very well. As stronger you hit the table with your hand, yeah. as better leader you are. Mm -hmm. Very Sometimes it's a historically and culturally um, this it's this, a concept, this, uh, this concept so so please uh, servant leadership it's not model which we very much aware of I'm talking about Ukraine and Ukrainian mentality mm -hmm. uh, yeah for Americans or for foreigners I would also would say make sure you understand local local context where you are like people culture language like even depending on the city right yeah, yeah of course in different part of ukraine it will be a little bit different so make sure you completely understand where you are what the values what the fears what people like what don't yeah. but what's a practical step like what, what can they do to do that does that make sense uh yeah yeah that can be especially hard for somebody that hasn't learned the language yet. Yeah, like probably make sure, uh, like best way, read uh, in advance before you come. Make sure you read a lot of historical information. Uh, make sure you talk to the missionaries who've been here before. Uh, when you're here, uh, yeah, put a lot of maximum efforts to, le to learn language as soon as you can because it open the door for you uh, and to build good relationship with locals yeah i mean build good friendship with some families visit go to uh, go visit them people love to have guests uh, here so make sure you visit them and a lot listen question I, I ask a lot of questions about different details whatever you don't understand ask what does it mean why you do that or you do that because this will give you excellent understanding what is going on here and it will unlock people's heart for you because this is exactly the missionary wants to to achieve to get people's heart to understand them to help them to understand the gospel so this is what I would say, uh, another kind of piece of advice. Yeah, that's some great ideas. I remember when I was, uh, I didn't speak the language very well. I was living in uh, a part of the city called Levendivka, which is, uh, I don't know what to compare it to. It's, it's the bad part of town, you know? Um, and uh, I had a neighbor who was this uh, grandma, uh, you know, um, she'd help me figure out how to pay my bills. She helped me figure out to how to, you know, work the ATM and stuff like that. And, and uh, just like the nicest person. Um, and to this day, I, I haven't lived in that part of town in maybe six years, but if I'm just, if I happen to be over there, um, I can call and say, Hey, can I come up in five minutes? And she is always ready to have a cup of tea you know, and, and that's something that's 
that American culture we're not we're definitely not used to and maybe not used to asking is basically inviting yourself over. Um, that at least the at least in my experience, the older generation here is so open to do and and it's uh, this huge doorway into the culture that even when I didn't understand the language very well, she was trying to fellowship with me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. We are a little bit, of, like someone said, Ukraine is halfway between West and East. East. West and East, yeah. We don't have such a clear boundaries in relationship, in arrangements, in business as on West. But we definitely notice, like, totally, like, without any boundaries as it's on East. So we, it's, it's from the point of relationship, people are open, yeah, very much to have you whatever time. Yeah, yeah Western culture is influencing us, so it's changing, mm -hmm. but not everywhere, not all the time. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, I used to serve with the, with the Pratt family here in Lviv. And uh, I remember there would be times when somebody would like be on a train to Lviv and call them and say, hey, can I stay with you guys for a few days? And in, for an American, that is a challenge, yeah. you know, but to, to them, it was just normal. And that, that was not, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. So that's still a part of the culture, I think, you know, so yeah, yeah, it's a lot more, it's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. And uh, I think the more we the more Americans are, are able to, to, that are aware and are able to deal with it in the proper way, I think the more successful they'll be as, yeah. as missionaries. Uh, yeah, one more thing about to be aware of. It's a Ukrainian culture is uh, totally different. So, yeah, for for this to get, like, if you will get closer to people, you will better will understand cultural differences. Because, for example, from leadership point of view, Ukrainians are very open to talk to you, to, to meet, to host you, but they will rarely will tell you what they think, what they really think. It brings a lot of problem from the leadership point of view if you're going to leave the church or to leave the team because people will think one thing or talk to you different or not will talk to you. Mm -hmm. So this is what I call that our culture is totally contradict biblical truth. This is exactly the point when culture totally contradict Bible. But this is a reality and mission. Nope, it looks like we're having some problems with connection here. Give me a second. I'm going to see if we can... Within a, within a church and within a ministry. Heavily. So honest talk, it's not common thing here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, uh... It's interesting that you would say that. I do think of uh, Ukrainians as generally being more uh, straightforward when you do know the person mm -hmm. um like uh for instance uh i've taken a couple furloughs in america um usually when i come back you know in america we don't walk as much for driving in cars uh if you're traveling a lot uh trying to see different churches so you're eating junk food mcdonald's you know that kind of thing and uh so when you come back you've gained a couple kilos that's a normal American thing to do is to come back with a, some extra weight, you know? Um, and one of the first things that my friends often tell me here is, Oh, David, you gained some weight. You know, uh, in an American context, that is extremely offensive. Wow. You never say that to a person, but here it's like just stating a fact. Oh, you changed your shirt. Oh, you gained some weight or something. I don't know. I, maybe I still don't understand it. Okay. So, so balance these two things for me because Americans think of Ukrainians as this kind of like harsher culture in a way where, where sometimes they say too much of what they think. Okay. I probably understand what you're talking. Mm -hmm. It's, um, <laughs> it's bringing brilliant it's a american just talking with ukrainian and they see their own perspective because 
when I when I said that they will not share, it's not so much about you know general observational thing, but it's about their inner thinking or, for example, relationship offensive thing about like what you've done, what you like. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. I, I see where you're I'm struggling to. Uh, bring it together because I remember I had one thing with American missionary and uh, for him it was offensive for me totally normal but when he opened it to me I felt myself very much embarrassed mm. because when I it was similar with this example with overweight mm. because I came to visit one missionary American and uh, I started to notice some things that I would change mm -hmm. because to my logic it's more obvious or more logical would be mm -hmm. to do this or that to put things there or there it will be more uh, ergonomical for your use mm -hmm. <laughs> but later he called me you know but you, what you was doing you was just fixing me all the time fixing mm -hmm. my life so I was bringing my apologies Mm. When I said that Ukraine is not open, like, for example, when if you hurt them, or they will never tell you. They will never come to you and say your words or you. For example, if Ukrainians, like generally, of course there are always exceptions, but generally, for example, if something you will tell, and it will hurt me. I usually will keep my mouth shut, though Bible is encouraging us to develop this habit. Yeah. Come to a brother and talk to him. Like, make sure your heart is plain with him. And mm. and this is the biggest problem because main concern within the teams, if you're talking from the leadership point of view, when we. Have we're affecting each other all the time. We're influencing each other. We're not always in the best possible way. But rarely you will find a team which has this good habit, open talk, bringing to the table all questions, all concerns, all fences, and talk through this. Mm. So this that, is what I meant. This, this in particular, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. This in particular has been very a, a huge struggle for me, um, not just because I'm an American, but because of my family. Uh, when I was a kid and somebody offended someone else, we talked about it right there, and we could talk about it for an hour or two or three, but we were going to finish that conversation. And, you know, it was, it was usually same day, if not the same few minutes. You know, and so coming into uh, a Ukrainian context where some of my new relatives here, my in-laws, uh, they had a fight about uh, some inheritance thing. And they didn't, they literally did not talk about it for 10 years. You know, um, or in other relationships of mine. And, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be like super negative about the culture or I'm just sharing my experience that, that, that sometimes when I've had, you know, a conversation with someone and I've accidentally offended somebody, or if we had a, a conflict and then I'll message a little later and say, Hey, can we sit down again and talk about this? You know, I want to, I want to work through this and I don't get a response mm -hmm. or I get a response. Uh, I don't know. And, and it's like rescheduled and then rescheduled again and then rescheduled again. Like how, how, how can we cope with this better? I don't know. It's still something I haven't figured out. Do you have anything for me? Because uh, this is this one's hard. Yeah, I, I understand. It you pushing Ukrainians out of their comfort zone very much, and this is not correct, biblical. It's not godly comfort zone totally. So I would encourage. Because this is where we desperately, as Ukrainians, need change to change. This, this is exactly the area. So I would encourage everyone who has this understanding that this is not right, push. Just don't stop. Don't give up. 
because we as Ukrainians, we have to learn this is not right. This is not according to the God's will, not according with the God's word. That this needs to be changed. So don't give up, push and say, you know, for Ukrainians, uh, this phrase like, but God is encouraging or God is asking us to do this this way. So use this, not just, we need to talk about this because Ukrainians will be, ah, no, let's talk about this later. Uh, maybe we can not talk about, it. we have this phrase like, we, we go through this or we went through this, so don't come back. Let past will be in past. So nobody talked through this effectively, but let it will be there. Mm -hmm. And as you mm -hmm. mentioned, 10 years already behind us, but we still remember it's still painful, it's still hurting, but nobody talk, wants to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, okay. That's a, so if I'm hearing you right, like keep, keep loving, keep pushing, yeah. keep fighting, but fight for the relationship, right? Yes, yes. Don't give up. That makes sense. That makes sense. So um, talking more about leadership, continuing on uh, in a more general sense. Um, one of the things I want to do as a leader is just to get better. You know, I want to be uh, someone that's not just that people want to follow. I want to be someone that's worth following, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So um, as a leader, what are some good ways to improve? Uh, my boss, uh, he's a great leader, uh, international dire director of Innovista International, James Lane, Jason Lane. He, I don't know if he, this is his phrase, maybe someone else, but he said to me, leader is a reader. So, so I like this phrase and I totally agree that for, for anyone if he wants to grow, make sure you develop yourself. Not not all only reading, but reading is a great great way to grow. Mm -hmm. One thing. So when so, you say reading, do you mean like reading your Facebook feed, your reading Reddit, <laughs> reading articles? No. no. <laughs> make sure you you read things about leadership, about effective leadership, about fruitful leadership. Uh, books podcast if you want to watch somebody's talks who are great example make sure you do this because this is always bringing to the point when you you understand this is uh, i never thought about this i never knew about this and this is automatically make your understanding about leadership about your challenges as a leader in a particular situation much better because you understand better things better you understand better people around you and this what makes you a better leader so develop yourself uh, make sure you visit places where good leaders gather together because it's a great thing also we have another phrase in ukraine maybe you have similar in, in america in america uh, tell me who your friend is and i will tell you who you are Mm, yeah, we, I think we do have something similar. I, I've been in Ukraine for too long to, to know exactly which phrase it is, but yes, uh, yes. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Something like how, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you how far you'll go or something oh, okay. like that. You know, I, I don't remember exactly what it is, but something along those All lines, right. same lines. Yeah. So, um, so make sure you in places or among people who will encourage you again to grow, to develop, who will pull you to the better level. Um, so this is what I would suggest you if you want to want to become a better leader. And another thing which I would tell you, don't be afraid to, to make new, new steps. Don't be afraid uh, because I think uh, what we are missing, especially in Ukraine, it's uh, courage. A lot of leaders, they don't have courage. And this, this is marvelous in English language, which what you have, encouragement, 
to give courage to someone who is missing this courage. Mm, we don't think about that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When when I was reading this, my boss was re- was writing this as this is exactly what leaders are called. Great leaders are called to give courage to those that discouraged and they don't have it. So try new new things because it's another thing where you will grow dramatically when you will get experience, experience of things which you never tried before. Or this new projects, new new style, new approach. Especially now when we have coronavirus challenges uh, around, like this is unique opportunity to try something that you never done before. It brings golden experience that you never had before. Mm. Yeah, that's that's one of the things uh, that when I really started to get into leadership that I noticed that was lacking in my part was uh, being willing to take risks and try something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but that is so important, isn't it? To, to, for the leader to be the one to push the boundary ahead, you know, and then to encourage others, to give that courage to others. Yeah. So, but if you're not, if you're not the one as a leader being courageous, then the courage that you give to others, I think will be kind of empty. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's I'm thinking, yeah, a lot with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think uh, fear, it's something which we first experience in Eden. Uh, it's still chasing us all the time. We, much more people, uh, around us much more have, they have fear rather than courage or boldness. People are afraid. We as a people are afraid of many things. I would say many, many things. And this is when leaders are helping people to break through this. Starting new relationship with neighbors. Coming to new people about sharing about gospel or coming just to help them with the needs they have. If you are able to help people with this first steps, um, great change can happen. Yeah, yeah. So that's how we can grow as uh, individual leaders, right? To be reading, to be seeking, and then to be courageous and passing on courage to others. Um, We have, uh, in my opinion, it's the first time I've been on a, a church council that's basically the um, like the head of the church is the church council. It's a very interesting situation for me. Um, so we have this team, this very small team uh, that is leading almost like a board of directors in a, in a, in a company. Um, what would be the best ways for a team like that, a small team, uh, to grow together in leadership because every every person on this team is also leading others, but that doesn't mean those others will be a part of our meetings or a part of our. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. So, uh, uh, for any team to be effective or successful, to achieve, because this is a purpose to, for a team to get together to achieve something, whatever they put them in front of them, it's to spend some time together make sure they they are together for clarifying and making sure you're clear on what we are doing how we are doing and why we are doing this or what we're doing why we're doing and how we're going to do that whatever we are doing it means purpose roles responsibilities processes relationships everything as a as a bunch and if you make sure that you, and if you did put some investment of your time, resources, money into these four steps, you will lead with some impact. You will have good results of whatever you are doing. But how can we continue to build these relationships during quarantine? You know, ah, yeah, that's hard. Quarantine? 
yeah, quarantine is challenge because Zoom is only uh, rescue, uh, but still Zoom is a, a excellent opportunity because quarantine brings us what positives. We have more time to this particular thing as a team meeting than we had before because usually we are on the run. So usually we have like one or two hours and this is it. On my observation, some people still have a lot of activities happening, but majority, they have less activity in their life during quarantine than before, less. It means if you want, if you really want this, you can invest more time into seeing each other, having instead of one Zoom, like one or two hours per week, you have two Zooms and make sure you discuss about okay what next steps when quarantine is over like in three five weeks seven weeks it will be over so what we will do because then everyone will begin running over on circle we call it uh, as a squirrel in this like circle everyone will be and and we will tell us in seven weeks i don't have time for mm -hmm. meeting so this is Make sure you use this time effectively. Meet together, discuss through things which you didn't have time before to discuss. Bring clarity. And I assure you that for your team health, it will be, it will be good. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really appreciated with our sessions with you over the past several weeks is that uh, you've given us a framework and, and some guidance on how to use this time effectively. We, we started before the quarantine, but I mean, if we hadn't have started and if we weren't continuing to, do, to go through this, I think we would have gotten stranded in this time because really like for some of us, uh, there are some of us that are super busy during quarantine. There are others that are, that are like kind of, you know, twiddling their thumbs. Um, and, and, finding that time or being intentional with that time has been so, so advantageous for us. So um, let's see, what else can I, how else can I pick your brain? Yeah, uh, I think this is uh, exactly the best part or most important part of what InnoVista, what we as a worker of InnoVista are doing for the teams. Because, you know, we are not opening new things. You can read about all those things in books, on podcasts, listen on speakers. But what what is missing that everyone can get this information that this is a missing part of our team. Okay, but the problem is, okay, how to bring this unique things into my team yeah. and put it into practice. And we are using coaching approach, asking a lot of questions for people, for teams to see their situation and for themselves to question, okay, what we can change about this for better. So this is, yeah, this is what I consider the best part of our work. We try to create platform when everyone can invest, can bring some input and discuss it. In good, hot discussion, I mean, I like hot discussions because this is brings honesty and show passion and commitment. <laughs> and yeah, if we're not passionate about what we're talking about, maybe we shouldn't be leaders. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, that's very important. That's very important. And that's one of the things that I think that, that uh, you've really helped us to do is to have those passionate, hot discussions, but with having peace between one another because before this process we would take things personally okay you know so and that's uh we we kind of needed somebody on the outside to tell us no it's okay you're yeah. you have ideas that will knock against each other that will that will have a conflict of ideas but it doesn't have to be a conflict of people yeah so of course it a lot will help if you will agree that let's separate our personality from our ideas and not to mix those two because I can bring an idea, anyone, any idea, and it will be 
it can be good, it can be not so good. Now, that's all right if you will throw my idea out. That's totally okay. So if you agree this within a team, that's that's all. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, that that is. Uh, I can tell you that's a struggle for me when I have my ideas thrown out. I feel like that's kind of one of my roles in the team, if that makes sense, to to come up with new things. And uh, I remember, like, uh, times when I would, uh, like, if I thought my ideas were not being taken seriously, I would disengage. You know, I'd start to, I'd still try to listen with one ear, but, uh, but uh, I'd be playing on my phone or checking Facebook messages or something like that, you know, um, just something I needed to repent from. Uh, uh, but... Uh, but yeah, having that that sense where well, it takes humility, you know, to to say yeah. that I I'm still a part of the team, and then for them to recognize that I'm still a part of the team. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm not going to have every idea that uh, that everybody's going to automatically accept or or think is the best thing ever. So, so yeah, yeah. I understand. Um, aside from Jesus in the Bible, who's your favorite leader? Good question. You know, uh, I would say I like leadership style of my of my boss. If I can say, or should um, I bring a biblical example? Yeah, biblical example. Yeah, uh, biblical. Uh, I like David, and when uh, he was trying to be always open with his people, I like that in leadership when you open, because one of the problem with leaders they are not open with their people. So I like David. Mm, yeah. Uh, that's an interesting one, openness, that, that I actually talked to. I think it was two interviews when I talked with, um, two interviews ago, I talked with uh, Rylan Woodbury-Jones, um, and he actually has a podcast now. He started about a week before I did. I had no idea uh, until I, I saw that we were both posting in episodes online. Um, and his podcast is specifically directed towards leadership. He, he wants to, to talk about leadership. And one of the things that he said was that uh, when you're conveying a message uh, that you don't want to bleed on people, is what he said, is uh, um, to be careful with how open you are, not to be too open. And uh, I think he was specifically talking in the context of preaching, like mm -hmm. preaching in the church. Um, but I, I tend to challenge that idea. Like I, I think that as a whole, people are more closed than they need to be yeah, definitely. than too open, at least in the context where I am. What do you think? I think it's again, coming back to the culture of Ukraine, which I mentioned in the beginning. Uh, Ukrainian cultural concept of leadership, it's superstar who never makes mistake, who is totally like strong and never vulnerable. Never cry or anything like this, this all this garbage, which is, which is, has nothing to do with the Bible. And one of the, to my, in my experience, one of the greatest example of openness to, of, leader is to show his vulnerability to show his that he can make mistake and he is making mistake and he easily confess his mistakes he easily asks for forgiveness because again leaders never make mistake and never ask for forgiveness because from this perspective he's a weak leader he's not strong leader which is totally opposite to the what the bible is saying about these things but this is a culture. So openness, it's a big thing. And for me, when you 
express this openness up to the point that you show your vulnerability. That's to me, it's a great sign that you are, that you're a great leader. That makes sense. That makes sense. And that's another thing that I also appreciate about David. Uh, you know, that he, he's not just sharing, uh, with others, you know, in the moment, he is literally, you know, crying and writing these Psalms and then passing them on to the, um, how do you say that? The choir director, the Regento Coro, the choir director, you know, um, in Jerusalem and saying, sing this in the temple, <laughs> you know, <laughs> about my struggles, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah, that he, uh, he, and I think, I don't think he was just like, like maybe a blogger or something like proclaim, you know, what kind of day I have because it's on my Instagram feed or, or no, yeah. uh, he's not, he wasn't being a celebrity. He's saying like, be honest with God and be honest with one another. Yeah. And I think that raw honesty of David is something that God desires from us and, you know, in our relationship with him and with others. So. Yeah, great way to express it. Be honest with God and be honest with people. That's a great way to express it. So you were talking about your uh, your boss as kind of another leadership hero of yours. Could you mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit more about him and and some things that you've learned from him in the process of working there uh, in Avista? I learned about him a great deal of to have this uh, to express grace towards people with with whom you're working. This is a great. Example, for example, yeah, that my confession, yeah, my sin, bringing up. When we had some agreements I, I, and some deadlines, and I didn't make it, and I was expecting a cultural expectation of boss, like, like making yeah. a, a strong and effective, like to bring the results. Yeah. It's going to make you sorry for it, right? Yeah, to make sure that I understand my mistake. And how gracious he was in understanding my mistakes, my shortfallings, mm -hmm. and still trusting, still making sure your people you're working with, they understand that you love them, doesn't matter. Yeah, he understands my mistakes. But still, he trusts and loves me, cares for me. That's that's unique thing that which I I learned from him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be gracious leader? Yeah, well, compassionate. And when you you see example of Jesus, you see exactly this thing. Oh yeah, you know. He was clear about mistakes of his disciples. Oh, as nobody else, but. You never see this root approach, you know, or harsh approach mm -hmm. to his disciples. Yeah. That's one of the things I appreciate about one of the leaders that's uh, particularly God's using in my life right now. Um, uh, Alexander Savage, the, the head of my faculty dean at uh, Ubatas, uh, which Ubatas, it's a Ukrainian Baptist theological seminary for anybody that's watching. Um, and one of the things I like to talk about with the other students in my group is that we literally forget that he has other student groups because he seems so almost fatherly when we're together in Zoom or in the classroom or something that like we feel so close to him and that he really loves us. You know, and I have disagreements with him. We've, we've had, you know, uh, back and forth, like things that I, I'm, I don't agree with that he's done or that he doesn't agree with that I've done or, you know, things like that. So it's not that everything's, you know, peaches and roses and, and, and candy all the time. No. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, I know he's praying for me, you know, and, and I can call him and I can say, Hey, today was a bad day. Can we just pray for five minutes? Is that okay? Like, and it's, he's, he's there. So that's, that's the kind of leader I want to be for sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you said, you said learning grace from him, right? Um, is there anything else that you, that you want to add to that list of, of things that you uh, learned from yeah. him? Yeah. 
perseverance. It's another thing mm. which he's always like demonstrating. And uh, you have this wonderful word, resilience, mm. in English. Yeah. Because his uh, personal situation, his life is not so good. His wife is has severe uh, sickness, like, and she's not getting better, but getting mm. opposite. Uh, it's a long fight in their life. They are fighting this sickness already in many years. And I see him still, you know, like full of passion for the ministry, for his team, for leaders whom he wants to serve. And so resilience, perseverance, graciousness, mm -hmm. these things. What, uh, how, how do we stay resilient? Because one of the things, um, I don't know how, how much into the weeds to go with this story, but uh, uh, one thing that impacted me was a story of a pastor that I heard up in uh, northwestern Ukraine that had to step down, and he's not more than a couple years older than I am. I, I think you know who, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Um, so he had to step down because of some some medical problems he had or, or just being burnt out or something. Um, because he was going so hard and trying to be so resilient um, for years. Uh, I think he started pastoring when he was like 21 or something like that. I think a little bit before that. Yeah, even yeah. So so started with he, when he was wrong when he was young. Hit the ground running and just has a, he accomplished so much. And yeah. pe people coming from his ministry have affected me and been a blessing to me. So I I have reaped the heart, the fruits of his labors, personally. Yeah. You know, um, but uh, I see his ministry almost as cut short. So how do we stay resilient and not have that happen to us? Because I kind of think of that as a false resilience, if that makes sense. Not to not to offend him. That's one of the reasons why I'm you know yeah, not saying his name. But I I don't want that to happen to me. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you're asking hard question, my brother. And I'm afraid there is no simple answer to those questions because all those wonderful speakers you're mentioning, you're reading, they also fighting those questions. Uh, I think it's a lot about what is happening in you, who you are, one thing. Another thing is a balance. I think about those pastors you mentioned, this was the problem point when he was probably like not keeping very well balanced because yeah he his health was not doing very well already a few years ago and he didn't pay attention much so if something goes not according to the plan you have to pay attention to that as a leader yeah you're asking hard questions <laughs> that's my job that's you know because that's i mean where else are we going to talk about these things and and people need to hear uh at least the best answer we can give or or just say that i it's also okay to say i don't know i think as a leader so um so another thing pay attention when things go wrong with ministry with your health and make sure you have a good rest uh, like make sure you refresh well because one of the biggest uh, reasons why leaders are burning out they never give themselves permission to give to get good rest it's one of the main thing which brings leaders great leaders to the point of burning out mm -hmm. they never properly get rest we cover and this is what happened with this particular pastor. He never paid attention, well at attention to his own condition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God gave us the Sabbath for a reason. Yeah. No, yes. 
Mm-hmm. So this is what I can tell you at, at this particular moment. Yeah, yeah, I understand. So uh, before we go, um, do you have any books that you can recommend for our, our viewers or any other resources? Um, I also want to link your, like I said, your Yell's organization uh, in the description below so that if anybody wants to contact you and get some leadership coaching, they can. But also yeah. um, leaders are readers, you know, like you said. Um, what what would you like us to read? Mm. I uh, I like very much style of, of Patrick Lencioni. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, I love his style, and I love principles that he brings very much. Uh, so Patrick Lencioni, five dysfunction or CEO, uh, like I love those things. I like Maxwell. I like Jim Collins. Uh, Jim Collins, uh, yeah. The main purpose was not for the ministry, but as a leader of the ministry, you will get, you can get from those books a lot of good. I like for, I don't know if English world knows this author, Johannes Reimer. Reimer. Um, you know, I never heard of him until I came to Ukraine. So how, how do you spell his name with Latin letters? Can you, can you give me letter by letter? Yes, because I'm, I have his name here in translated book. Mm-hmm. I believe. Is he, is he Canadian, American, German? He's German. German, okay. In Germany, actually, he's a very much known person. Mm-hmm. I thought he was German. He's, he's known. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have his name properly. I can try mm-hmm. to write in um, in chat his name. Okay. I know he's very popular here. Like wh- when I started uh, taking classes at the seminary here, every once in a while I'd hear his name come up and like, well, Reimer, 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 however you say it in English, he says this or he has this opinion. I'm like, I have no idea who they're talking about. Um, and uh, then I remember one moment in particular that kind of solidified me as to who this person was uh was when a teacher made a joke about him that uh he it was something along the lines of we're not going to just take him uh as uh the gospel truth or something like that and everybody laughed because i think there's a stereotype of him uh being this huge uh authority on so many things so uh apparently if you if you like his books too then then he is uh, I can explain a little bit. He is yeah, a great yeah. thinker. He is mm. ethnically German, mm. but he was born in former Soviet Union in Kazakhstan. He grew up in Kazakh uh, in Kazakhstan, so he part of his mentality is Soviet mentality. So he is, as no one else, understand the culture of church leadership, uh, theological approach of former. Soviet era, which influenced modern situation. That when he was a young person, he immigrated to Germany on the 80, end of 80s, beginning of 90s. He immigrated, then he became theologian, and now he's a great pastor and great in, uh, influential thinker in Europe, in Germany. He's quite famous and known person in Germany. Uh, among thinkers, he's PhD. Uh, he wrote a paper on PhD. Is so he part he, of the? I'm doing a Google search. Is he part of the World Evangelical Alliance? Is that him? I wouldn't be surprised if he is. I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. Studied theology in Germany, Belgium, the USA, South Africa. Ah, you found him. Possibly. Um, Bible colleges and universities. This sounds like him in Saint Bre- yeah. Petersburg. Russia, Lithuania, yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll put a link uh, to to him uh, in the description. Yeah. yeah, what I like is very sharp, as Germans always are, critical thinking. In is another challenge, which I missed to add to the cultural baggage, which Americans or Canadians should uh, keep in mind when they come here. Lack of critical thinking here among Christians, among non-Christians, just as a culture. 
we are not tend to critically assess of what we are doing, why we are doing, it's concerning ministry or businesses. So could that be because it was kind of dangerous? Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah, it's because of the Soviet style, you know, it was always a push that someone else will think for you. You don't have to bother yourself with such a heavy things as a thinking. So someone else will do it for you. And influ it's influenced country politically, economically, because always someone else pay attention to some things. So don't be bothered. So this general concept in Eastern Europe, especially in former Soviet Soviet Union country, someone else will pay attention to that, not you. <laughs> Which, again, not very biblical because Jesus always encouraging us, hey, be sober, soberly assess, like critically. Yeah, that, that word even sober isn't just, uh, I think, connected to, to alcohol or drugs or something, but yeah, to, watch to this out, like sharp thinking. Yeah, yeah all the time. And God is always wanted. Think carefully. Think twice before because before you want to do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. Think critically. Will you be able to do that or that? That's not of the part of the culture of this in this country. Mm -hmm. Very often, very often. Mm -hmm. And he is Reimer, excellent critical thinker. He pushes you very well. So, what are some things you've learned from him? Uh, generally, I like his books because he is pushing, like, for example, this little series of books, and he pushes churches in, in, in Ukraine because he works heavily involved in Ukraine and in Russia. And he critically assess why you do what you do. Why? You do this ministry or that approach exactly the way you are doing this. Just because it's it was done 20, 30, 40 years before, ago, it doesn't work anymore. So what's the point to keep it? And another question he raised, it's uh, about uh, bringing us back to the notion of local church. And I, I have to say, I totally agree with him that this is a big thing with modern culture changes local church kind of little evaporate but mm -hmm. this is and he put the question is it best approach to the mm -hmm. ministry or to the spreading of the church mm -hmm. like this model in particular right? model, yeah because you always care only for that which is close to you which is warm near you Mm -hmm. something which is far mm -hmm. don't pay much attention mm -hmm. interesting so, yeah so he's someone who is re shouting about this again mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense that'd be interesting I'll, I'll do some searches and see if i can find some of his books in english if there if there are there um because uh you know, particularly this, this channel is geared towards that. But also, like, if there if there are some good ones in Ukrainian or Russian that you want to send me uh, the titles of, uh, like in particular his works, that uh, I can put those in the description below as well. Because th I know there are a lot of people that watch uh, that are locals from uh, you know different uh, either Soviet bloc or satellite states or uh, you know those those countries that also watch our channel so they'll be able to read those so that'll be good yeah uh as we're coming to a close uh how can i pray for you man i'd like to pray for for all of my guests you know as we uh f finish up the podcast oh please pray for uh, because um because of coronavirus and economical crisis we will have, we definitely will have some consequences, negative consequences in our ministry, in the Vista ministry. So please pray for us that we will be able to go through this smoothly without shocking 
that. We don't know yet the depths of our kind of gap. We will have to to go through, but we definitely we know exactly that it will be there. Mm -hmm. So, if somebody wanted to support your ministry, how could they do that? Do you, do you have a link or uh, something yeah, you can send me? Yeah, like uh, they can. Uh, the best way to do this for foreigners is through uh, Oxford Office. Mm. Uh, Oxford Office has on their website uh, in the vista.org in English, in Latin. Um, there will be links if you want to support them. There, they will be, you can write notification that for Ukrainian team or for Ukraine, mm -hmm. if someone would particularly wants to support our ministry. That's the easiest way for foreigners to do that. Okay, anything else you want us to pray for? Uh, well, I think that's particular one thing we would really appreciate if you would pray for us. Okay, cool. Yeah, I know that's, that's a big thing for a lot of people right now. A lot of people in America are struggling. Uh, yeah, a lot for... Um, because losing their jobs or having their jobs put on hold or, you know, those kind of things. So, so let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for my brother Anatoly and for this ministry in the Vista and how much they have uh, blessed our church. And they've been a blessing to so many other churches and organizations uh, around Ukraine and, and elsewhere. I pray that you, you would uh, be with them, God. Uh, thank you that, uh, you know, as it says in, in Matthew, um, not a, a hair of our heads falls to the ground and you don't take notice. Not a, not a, there's not a bird that falls to the ground and you don't take notice, Lord. And so, of course, you'll take care of us uh, with food and clothing and everything. So you provide for what we need and you're our Father, Lord. So I pray that you would continue to provide for this ministry that's been a blessing to so many people. Um, help us to all be effective leaders. Help them to be effective leaders, Lord, and, and within the organization, but also uh, in leading other leaders, God. And, and I pray for... Uh, also, just, just in general, for the things that we talked about, that we could uh, take these things to heart ourselves. Uh, I know that I struggle with, uh, with rest sometimes, and I pray that you would help us all to, to, uh, to know uh, how to put those things into practice, God. And uh, thank you, Lord, for also for their church uh, there, Christos um, Pasatele, that... Uh, God, bless that church. Uh, continue to fill them with your spirit, uh, fill them with inspiration, with hope, uh, with courage, God, in that church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks a lot, brother. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. God bless. See you. See yeah. you.